It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Downtown, Peckle Park, a new beginning. Let's go. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since, we've been knocking them down. Baby says she want to go to the game. Taught her how to say Padre gang. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since, we've been knocking them down. Mitchell and Ness with the old school name. All of the homies holler Padre gang. Yeah, that. And good day, everybody. Welcome to episode 179 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. I'm your host, Ben Fadden, coming to you live on YouTube, at least. A little bit after the Padres took two out of three from the New York Mets to start off their homestand on a winning note. Blew out the Mets tonight, 13 to 2. I stayed until like the eighth inning I usually stay the entire game but I wanted to get back I was taking the trolley back and so I didn't feel like waiting there for like a half an hour after the game had ended when I already knew the Padres were going to win um, so that's kind of my situation right now I, my camera's kind of blurry I don't know why let me try to fix that is that better I think that's better all right perfect so if you're just coming in here, feel free, leave some comments, your thoughts on this series. We have the voicemail number, 619-335-5770. If you want to express your thoughts there and you want to be featured on an episode of this show, feel free to dial up that number. But we're going to talk Padres here. We're going to talk Blake Snell and how he sucked on Monday. And would you trade him? Would I trade him if I was AJ Preller? If you could get a bat back, uh, talk about... Shamanaya's performance tonight, Cronenworth, 
Manny, pretty much everyone coming through tonight. And then last night, they got the win as well. Uh, talk about Keith Olbermann and his stupid comments uh, after Pete Alonso was hit on, was that Monday? Tuesday, yesterday, I believe. Um, so, got a lot to discuss, and let's do it starting off with Game 1. Before we get to Game 1, this episode is brought to you by Gaglion Bros, Famous Cheesesteaks, and Garlic Fries. Located inside Petco Park, Point Loma, and Mission Gorge. Those are their three locations. You can visit gaglionbros.com to view their entire menu, their addresses, their phone numbers, all of that good stuff. Great cheesesteaks and garlic fries. All right, let's get to Game 1. Padres lost this one 11 to 5, but hey, they won the series, so I can't be too mad about it. The only thing that you can be mad about from this game, stemming from this game, was Blake Snell. He needs to be better. He sucked. I had a breakdown on his first inning that lasted a half an hour long, that top of the first inning, where he threw 43 pitches, couldn't get out of the, uh, well, he got out of it, but it seemed like he was going to have some trouble even getting out of the first. They had Nabil Christmas at one point. Um, but he walked three in a row. Like I mentioned, 43 pitches in that first inning. Just fastballs outside of the zone. That's the main thing that I saw. There was a lot of uh, pitches that were in the dirt with the breaking ball. Just could not find the strike zone consistently. And look, I like what I hear from Blake Snell most of the time post-game. Uh, because he's accountable, and I believe when I was listening to him post game after Monday night's debacle that he had, that lost the Padres the game because they it seemed like they were out of it after the first inning. Um, he was still honest. He was up front. He he's up front about him needing to be better. Now, will he actually be better? That's definitely something that we're gonna have to look at, and time will tell if he's actually going to be better. Um, Seven at-bats, I counted that he was behind in the count through his first four innings. His final line on Monday was four innings, four earned runs, including that, I think it was a two-RBI single to Eduardo Escobar. Escobar swung at a pitch that was in the left-handed batter's box. You can go watch the breakdown that's available on this Talking Friars YouTube channel page. Um, just go to the videos or the breakdowns playlist, and you'll be able to find it of Blake Snell's first inning. The pitch that he threw to Escobar was not a strike. It was nowhere near the strike zone. Escobar swung at it, and it ended up being a single in the right field, dumped into right field, scored two runs. So it's not like the hits that he was even giving up, some of them weren't even strikes. So he literally just could not find the strike zone consistently on Monday night. Finished with four runs allowed, seven hits, walked three, and those three walks were three in a row in the first inning. Struck out four. 97, or excuse me, 95 pitches, 59 of those were strikes. So uh, you'd like to have the strikes higher than that. Uh, and when you have a 43-pitch first inning, can't really expect him to go much longer than four innings. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, he has, I saw this on MLB Network the other day, he has a 4-3-9 ERA since the start of the 2021 season. Not good at all. And this season... 27.8% of his curveballs, his breaking balls, are in the zone this year. So he's not throwing the breaking ball for a lot of strikes. And that is very concerning because last year, right, when he was pitching really well, yeah, was the fastball working? Yeah. 
it kind of has to work, right? You got to complement other pitches somehow. But his main pitch is that breaking ball, right? And there was, I think, one, I think it was the Pete Alonso at bat that night where Alonso struck, or no, he didn't strike out. He swung and missed. And then the next pitch, Snell threw the same pitch. And Alonso adjusted, didn't swing at it because he knew it was going to be outside the strike zone. Just the problem with Snell on Monday was he could not stay inside the strike zone, wasn't consistent. And I saw someone comment uh, on my breakdown on YouTube today. They were like, well, he got into 0-2 counts. Like, he can't, you can't throw it right down the middle when you're on an 0-2 count. It's like, I totally understand what you're saying, but just because you're up 0-2, that means zero, zilch. If you can't throw strikes to finish off the at-bat and get the out, then being up 0-2 does not matter. Might as well walk a guy on four straight pitches if you're not going to be able to get the guy out being up 0-2. It does not matter what the count is. The count can play into your favor as long as you get the guy out. You know, if you're going to strike out guys, of course, being up 0-2 is great. But not when you're Blake Snell like he was on Monday night. It doesn't matter what the count is. You just got to pound the strike zone. And he was not doing that. And so, uh, you know, the, obviously the question, um, a lot of stuff happened in this game in terms of the Mets scoring. They scored 11 runs. Eduardo Escobar hit for the cycle. Um, Brandon Nemo hit a bullet off of uh, Snell in the top of the fourth, made it 4-1 to one Mets. Alonzo reached on a relaxed throwing error by Manny Machado. He ended up scoring on a sack fly later in that fifth inning, made it 5-1 Mets. So that's another thing. When I, I don't believe, was Blake Snell in the game? I forget if he was in the game when Manny made that lackadaisical throwing error. But when that happens, in terms of Blake Snell pretty much putting everyone to sleep because he can't throw strikes, and you have a 30-minute top of the first inning, that's going to happen with the defense. Like, I feel like, it's hard when I know when I was playing, when I was playing shortstop or center field and the pitcher on my team couldn't throw a freaking strike. I, you know, you know, when you're in the field, you have, you know, this prep, right? You have the two steps, get ready, kind of, you know, just you're in a ready position, a ready fielding position. And that gets old after a while when you know that every pitch is probably not going to be a competitive pitch and it's not going to be a strike. And you're just waiting for the manager to come out or the head coach, in my case, and take the guy out. That's what it felt like with Blake Snell pitching, especially in the first inning. You saw Chris Matt warming up, uh, but they let him go four innings. And look, the, the two starts before that were encouraging for Blake Snell. And that'll definitely lead us into the conversation of would you trade Blake Snell? And I'll get to that. But the two starts before Monday night, they they were pretty good. I thought he was making progress. He wasn't throwing as many pitches in the dirt in terms of the breaking ball. He was throwing his fastball for strikes. Uh, I went to that Milwaukee start on the Manny Machado bobblehead night. He pitched well then, I thought. I know he gave up, I think, three runs. I think the Padres lost that game, but he was pitching better. I thought he was making strides, especially compared to the first start uh, in Philadelphia where two of those three walks came around to score. So I was seeing progress. That progress obviously got halted big time on Monday night. 
And that leads to the question of, would you trade Blake Snell? Just to trade Blake Snell? The answer is no. Would I trade Blake Snell if I could get an outfield bat right now? I guess it depends on the bat that I'm getting. And my gut reactions right now is it would be no. And I'll be uploading a video probably tomorrow. I went and talked to fans inside Petco Park today to see if they would trade Blake Snell for a bat right now. Uh, so that'll be coming out tomorrow, hopefully. Uh, again, I'm going live on YouTube right now. It's 10.51 p.m. as I'm speaking um, on Wednesday night. You're probably listening to this on Thursday morning or Thursday just during the day on Thursday, and I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, so that video will probably be out later today if you're listening to it on a Thursday. Um, Potters are off on Thursday, by the way, so you have plenty of time to watch that. It's going to be a short video, probably like five minutes, maybe a little less than that. Uh, but fans gave their input, and I'll save it. I'll save their input, obviously, for that video. Um, but my input, I would not trade him just to trade him because he is a free or he's a free agent after next season. Clev, Musgrove, and Manaya are free agents at the end of this season, so you just don't know who is going to be brought back if you're the Padres, right? So you don't want to trade Blake Snell, and then worst-case scenario, all three of them don't come back, and then now you have a rotation of Darvish, Gore, Morahone, maybe, and then who else? You don't know. Ryan Weathers is not doing good in AAA right now. Reese Kinnear, it, sorry, that's not he's not going to be a, a reliable starter. Nick Martinez, I haven't even mentioned. He's having a really good year. And I think that at this rate, he would opt out to get more money on the free agent market. I think it's too early to trade Snell just from that position. That you just don't know. If you lock up Musgrove, okay, then maybe you can start thinking about that. And then another thing to think about in terms of not trading Blake Snell right now um, is you want him to still build up his value. Like, that was a terrible start. And he's making like $16 million this year. Don't know what he's making next year. But our team's going to give up a top prospect for Blake Snell right now? I'm not so sure about that. And in terms of the question that I asked about would you trade Snell if you could get back a power outfield bat? I would wait on that. One, for Snell to prove himself, and I think he could still help out this team. I still do. Still really do. And then with Nomar Mazar and the outfield construction right now, Nomar Mazar, I think, has been doing pretty well with the Padres at the big league level so far this year. They just got to give him those daily at-bats. I think they need to give him more at-bats because the the platooning that they did in Milwaukee, I wasn't a big fan of that, even though Azokar did have some good at-bats. I think you should play him every day. He got on base to start the season for like B-plus straight game, or every game, I think, of his minor league season in El Paso. Like, So he's doing it against lefties as well. And they were playing him only against righties. I would give him daily at-bats and see how that goes. If Mazzara plays well and you keep him around on the roster, you got Grisham still on the roster, you got Profart who's hitting amazing you know, at the leadoff spot, and he's definitely going to be the leadoff hitter at least until Fernando comes back. Um, and you got Myers coming back. I might have already mentioned that. See how this outfield construction goes. If Mazzara plays well, okay, then I think that lessens the need to 
go out and acquire a big power bat. You know, I, I think it does. Um, so right now I'd hold off on thinking about trading Blake Snell. Yeah, maybe you field offers, but in terms of actually trading him, I would not press the panic button and do it right now for the circumstances that I just laid out right there. So give me your thoughts in the chat. Um, for anyone that's live here or on replay, feel free. Um, or at Talking Friars on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. Uh, your thoughts, would you trade Blake Snell if you could get an outfield bat right now? I would hold on to him for the moment, for the time being, but feel free to give your thoughts. All right. Randy says in the chat, we've played well against the Mets in recent years, like the Dodgers play well against the Padres. Hopefully it will continue in New York. Uh, yeah. The Dodgers, I mean, yeah, they've played well against the Padres, but you also remember, I know you say in recent years, Randy, but you also got to remember that the Padres had Ryan Schimp and Alexi Ramirez and Carlos Asuaje and Manuel Margot playing for the Padres against the Dodgers when the Dodgers were beating up on the Padres and Kershaw's in his prime and all that stuff, right? So you got to remember that. They did have, uh, who else? They had, you know, at the end of last year, Pedro Avila and Jake Arrieta starting. I don't think they faced the, uh, the Dodgers, but hopefully you get my point. Like, it's not like the Padres have had this caliber of a team for the last five years. You know, it's recent. And this team is different from last year. I think this team is much better than last year's team. A number of circumstances. Bob Melvin, the coaching staff, even Fernando out. And it seems like they're just having fun. Um, the influence of Bob Melvin as a manager and the influence of Ruben Niebla. They don't have Chris Paddock and Ryan Weathers in the rotation. They have Shamanaya and Mackenzie Gore, who is the rookie of the year frontrunner, in my opinion. You know, Niebla helped fix Gore. and So we're just in a, a lot different circumstances than we were in last year, and that's a, definitely a big, 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 big positive. So Padres, yes, they lost Monday night 11-5, dropped to 33-22. and 22. Story of the night actually was Blake Snell sucking. Uh, but with that said, I think it's still early to give up on him. I did see what he did in the second half of last year, specifically the last like half before he got hurt at Dodger Stadium with the groin injury. And I hope that the Padres and Ruben Niebla can pull that out a little bit. And worst case scenario, if they are able to pull a little bit out of him, you raise your trade value. You lock up Musgrove, uh, so you at least you know that, okay, Darvish, Musgrove, Morahone in the rotation next year, and we'll see what happens with Manaya, Clev, and Martinez at the end of the year. You can do that, and then maybe you feel better about trading Snell. Uh, so those are some things to think about. Uh, but no, I would not trade Snell just to trade Snell, and I would not trade Snell right now for a bet. I know I've said that multiple times, but if anyone's just tuning in new here, that's my thoughts on that. That was Monday's game. He threw 19 balls in the first inning, by the way. I, I put that in my thumbnail on YouTube on the breakdown. Again, it's available on this YouTube channel, Talking Friar. Look it up. If you're the podcast listeners, just look up Talking Friar on YouTube, and you'll be able to find the breakdown for the full entire first inning that took like 30 minutes. And I did pitch by pitch. Not every pitch because MLB TV wouldn't allow that they 
started uh, the replay like two pitches in. It was a 1-1 count to Nimmo, but every pitch from then on. All right, moving to Tuesday's game or Tuesday. Pre-game on Tuesday, the Padres promoted Estri Ruiz to AAA El Paso, and they called up Adrian Morajone, placing Robert Suarez on the 15-day IL with right knee inflammation. Starting with Estri Ruiz, he had an OPS over 1,000 with the San Antonio Missions in AA. He had gotten on base, I think, 38 straight games to start his minor league season this year, hitting over 300, playing center field. There were some fans that thought that, hey, Estri Ruiz should just be brought up to the big league level because he has nothing else to prove in AA. Well, I think that, you know, he's still young. I would put him in AAA, give him some at-bats there. If he thrives in AAA, okay, then maybe you can think about it. But right now, I like having a Jose Zocar on this team. Um, I like Profar where he's at. I actually love where he's at. I like Nomar Mazzara right now. So I, I kind of like the outfield construction that they have right now. If Estra Ruiz rakes in AAA, okay, then of course you can bring him up. But I think bringing him up from AA up to the big leagues was a little bit of a stretch, and it always was going to be a little bit of a stretch. All right, so that was the Estra Ruiz news. I think he went over in his first game, but he walked twice, I believe. I think I saw that the other night. With Adrian Morahone being called up, he ended up pitching last night. Two innings, six up, six down. Amazing, amazing comeback from him. Because if you think about it, with the Tommy John that he had, obviously that is a huge, huge comeback. And you got to be tough to come back from that. I can only imagine, right? Because um, I've never undergone a Tommy John surgery or anything like that. I've never pitched in the big leagues. But... I would assume if you have surgery on your arm, that's going to hurt. And then to get the confidence back to say, okay, I'm going to go air it out on the mound here. Uh, when less than a year ago, I was walking off the mound or I was having surgery. Um, that definitely has to be tough. And it, it's, I'm sure it has to be a mental barrier that you have to cross, right? Get over um, so props to him, two shutout innings last night. Love to see it out of Adrian Morahone. And I think he can be a very, very impactful reliever for the Padres in maybe a Josh Hader type role. And he can save the bullpen on some nights like Bo Mel was talking about after the game last night. Like with Tim Hill, he's a matchup guy, right? Craig Stammen, you don't want him pitching. Nabil Chrismat, he has been known to be a long man but he's been pitching in some higher leverage situations. Taylor Rogers, he's been pitching a lot and being leaned on a lot. And we've seen a couple blown saves out of him this year. And one of them was because he had to pitch the eighth inning because Bo Mel didn't trust anyone to come in and face Trey Turner and the Dodgers lineup in that eighth inning, you know? Um, sorry, I just had to block someone in the chat here. Bunch of spam is happening. Trying to get this off here. Get out of here. All right, back to my point with Bowmel and Adrian Morahone. Um, you know, with Luis Garcia, Robert Suarez, they I mean Suarez is on the IL now, but with Garcia, 
he's kind of been up and down, kind of like Suarez has been. And so if you have Morahone, the ability to pitch multiple innings, you don't put as much pressure on like Nabil Chrismat to be like that main guy in the bullpen that can pitch multiple innings, right? Now you have a couple guys. Uh, and Taylor Rogers, if Taylor Rogers needs a night off or he can only go three outs, you can give Morahone five outs if you pitch him in the seventh and you want him to pitch the entire eight, right? I'm not saying they're going to pitch him two innings every time that he's pitching, but at the same time, he has that ability to do that. And so I just can't speak enough about how encouraging that was. Yeah, like I said on the pregame show today inside Petco, yeah, I'm judging it off of one appearance, but it was one dang pretty dang good uh, impression that he made on Padres fans in his 2022 return and his first big league action in regular season action um, since April of last year when he walked off the mound in Texas that same weekend that Joe Musgrove threw that no-hitter. So big props to him. All right, Padres won on Tuesday night 7 to nothing, improved to 33-23. and 23. Uh, I did want to touch on Robert Suarez real quick. I don't really know what's going on with him. He, I don't think he had, he, I don't think he had, had allowed a run in a while uh, in terms of his appearances. And I was looking at the game logs and all that. He hadn't allowed a run in a good amount of time. So I'm not quite sure what happened with the knee. I heard that he felt it last night. And so they put him on the IL. But he was pitching well if you're just strictly looking at the game logs and the innings allowed, or excuse me, the runs allowed. So that's kind of weird, but maybe they're obviously they're confident in Adrian Morahone, and they can put Suarez on the IL here, give him probably more time off than he might need, and then he'll be back ready to go. You save some innings in the meantime, and this can turn into a, a double positive for the Padres, if you will. So for Tuesday's game. A great win the night before another blowout win. 7-0, Padres win Tuesday night. Profar hit that solo home run to right field, made it 1-0. Great to see out of him. Darvish in the top of the second got the first two batters. Uh, or excuse me, he hit the first two batters. Got two strikeouts, though, after that and a ground out to get out of the jam. One of those two batters that you, Darvish, hit was Pete Alonzo. And I posted the video on the Talking Friars Twitter account, at Talking Friars. And Pete Alonzo, he exited the game. The x-rays were negative, by the way, for any Mets fan that wants to complain. And I'll talk about that more in the Tweeting Dummies uh, segment at the end about some Mets fans and some just dumb Mets fans and how they were tweeting, um, talking about Manny and how he needs to be hit. I'll talk about that more at the end uh, with the Tweeting Dummies segment. But holy cow, Mets fans, I understand that Pete Alonso's been hit a lot. I understand that the Mets are probably the most hit team in baseball this year. But it's not like you guys are trying to get out of the way. Pete Alonso freaking swung. He swung at the pitch. He wasn't going to get hit if he didn't swing at the pitch, if he didn't attempt to swing at Darvish's pitch. You think Darvish in the second inning is trying to hit Pete Alonso? No. You think he's trying to hit Jeff McNeil or whoever he hit in that second inning? No. It was a slider that hit him, what, in the back foot? 
You think he's trying to hit him? No, the Padres need wins. Like, my goodness. Like, have a feel. Like, you are obviously don't know baseball. You're a casual fan. You don't know baseball, Mets fans, if you're complaining and saying that Manny needs to get hit later in the game and they need to charge the mound if the Padres hit a Mets batter again. You're not watching the game. Darvish isn't trying to hit Alonzo. He's trying to strike him out. And guess what? Alonzo was swinging at the pitch, so I think he did his job there. So stupid. Anyway, bottom of the second, Haas and Mazar singled before Grisham got an RBI single to right field, made it 2-0. Crony came through with the two RBI single to center, made it 4-0. Um, Darvish, the first hit that he allowed in this game was the sixth inning. He was tremendous. His final line, seven innings, no runs, two hits, did not walk anyone. I know he hit a couple batters, but look, He's not trying to hit him again. I'll say it again. Wasn't trying to hit him. Struck out six on 100 pitches. Tremendous outing out of him. And then a tremendous outing out of Manaya tonight. We'll get to that. Uh, Colin Holderman, a no-name guy, but he really helped the Padres blow this one open last night. Uh, Mr. Holderman walked three straight guys to load the bases for Manny. That's a smart move, right? Let's load the bases for Manny Machado. Nope, that's not a smart move. Uh, Manny drove in Nola and Profar, made it 6-0. Boyd had a sack fly, made it 7-0, and that was the final score. Hit on Morahone, the 1-2-3, was it the 8th and the ninth inning? I was about to say 7th. 8th and ninth innings that he threw. Tremendous, tremendous comeback out of him. That was amazing to see. Manny spoke glowingly of him in the locker room after the game. Well, the clubhouse, but you get what I'm saying. And just a great overall win. Didn't allow any runs. Uh, Marte did lead this game for the Mets as well. I think he hurt his groin or something trying to steal. Um, on a strike him out, throw him out. He came off the bag. Kim tagged him. But just a great overall night. And, I mean, I guess I, I would like to elaborate on these games, these 7 nothing wins and these blowout wins, but there's not a whole lot to say other than it was a tremendous freaking win. You know? One heck of a win. They did pretty much everything right. Uh, they weren't lackadaisical on defense from what I remember like they were on Monday because Blake Snell was lulling them to, split, to sleep. What's sleep? Sleep. Um, so it was just a total change, a, a full 180 from Monday night to Tuesday night. And you got to love it. I loved it. Um, and I'm sure every Padres fan loved it. How can you not love Tuesday night's performance? So. They won 7-0, 33 and 23 was their record after Tuesday night's victory. And as for tonight's game that I went to, I was there early like I always am. And holy cow, these season ticket lines, they get pretty long. Last year, it wasn't really like this. And the team was still good in the first half of the year. But this year, they've they've opened up for season ticket holders. It's still two hours before. They've opened up the home plate gate, which usually wasn't the case, and then the usual season ticket member gate. Uh, when you go further down, it's by like the right field corner, um, down the first baseline more. So they have both of those gates open two hours before, and there was a big line. I got there and waited for like 20 minutes, 25 minutes before the gates opened for season ticket holders today, and I was glad I was there at that time. 
I was like 10th or 12th in line and I got there early. And then I look back as I'm about to go in and there is a huge line behind me. And remember, there's two gates. So there's huge lines at both gates. So I guess it's good. I tweeted this out on uh, on a Twitter today while I was standing in that line. And I'm like, I guess it's a good thing because the Potters are winning and there's a lot of fan support. But holy cow, these lines are long. These season ticket holder lines, they are long this year. So props to the Padres for bringing the fans out. I know it was the Tatis hat giveaway, but man, it was long. Anyway, it was worth it. Padres won 13-2. I left in, I think, the eighth inning. I did my post-game recap. It wasn't post-game because the game was still going on. But I was walking, as I was walking to the trolley, recorded the pregame, or pregame, recorded the reaction uh, to the game, the recap of the game so far that I saw. The game was over. They were up, I think, 11-1 to at the time that I, w- I did that. And just talking about how everyone came through. Manaya pitched amazing. I think I said on the reaction, epi- uh, uh, not the episode, the video that's on this YouTube channel and on the all the socials. I think I said that Manaya had a shutout. He gave up one run, but he, he was tremendous. He was the opposite of what Blake Snow was on Monday. He was pitching fast, and Chris Bassett sucked, so that slowed the game down a little bit. But with uh, Manaya's just the way that he goes about it, fast pace. And I said on the pregame, you know, six, seven innings, a quality start. That's what you're probably going to expect out of him. That's what you should expect out of him because that's what he's pretty much done in almost every start this year. And that's exactly what happened. Seven innings, one run, three hits, three walks, struck out three. So he didn't strike out a bunch of guys, but he pitched a contact. Grisham made a good play in center. Um, just And then the offense obviously showed up. That was a big part of, tonight's win as well um improving to 35 and 22 on the year a game and a half back of the Dodgers in the National League West Profar came through Crony came through tonight Manny came through tonight everyone pretty much in the lineup came through tonight and I was looking up this mind-boggling stat and we can go through all of the scoring plays in fact we'll do that right now before I talk about that mind-blowing stat um, let's see here. They scored, Padres scored one run in the first, one run in the third, five runs in the fourth, four runs in the fifth. So they combined for nine runs in the fourth and the, and the fifth innings, two runs in the seventh. And they didn't, obviously they didn't hit in the bottom of the ninth. So uh, just a total offensive explosion. That one run in the first, Mazzara singled. In the third, Manny doubled. Um... And Profar singled, Crony doubled in the right center gap, Manny doubled on a freaking bullet to center field. That ball's going to the emergency room, not Manny. Uh, Anyone that gets that, because you probably saw the Keith Olbermann tweet, which I'll get to. In the uh, fifth, Profar doubled in uh, Kim. Cronenworth with a three-run bomb made it 11 to nothing. Anyone that doesn't know, I went to St. John's University in Queens, New York, and so I was in a dorm with a big Mets fan, and he did not reply back to me, or at least I haven't seen him reply back to me on Instagram and in uh, my DMs. I was like, how you enjoying? You having a great night tonight or what? Being down 11 to nothing. Actually, I think I messaged him when it was 8 nothing before the crony home run happened, 
Uh, are you having a great night? Because when the Mets beat the Padres on Monday night, he was texting me. And so you want to do that? His name's Nick, by the way. All right. Well, I'm going to give it right back to you. And the Padres won this series. So have fun with your Mets. At least they go get to go uh, face the uh, Angels now. But that was funny. That was fun to do. Rub it in his face a little bit. Because when I was in that dorm, he would always say, Padres suck. On opening day, when I was pissed off that night, it was like 1 o'clock in the morning after Craig Stammen gave up that walk-off to Seth Beer uh, at Chase Field. He was laughing in my face then. So it's like, all right, well, I'm going to give it back to you now. So have fun losing this series. And uh, hope you're doing well, though, Nick. In all seriousness, hope you're doing well. Um, But Padres took it to you in those last two games. Scored a combined 20 runs in the last two games. Go play the Angels now. Uh All right, so everyone came through. The Cronenworth three-run home run to right field, the right field Croner in the Crone zone. Did I just say the – I said – oh, my God. It's 11-16. I'm sorry. I'm a little tired. I just said the right field Croner. Oh, man. The the right field corner uh, was where Jake Cronenworth hit the home run. It stayed up there for a while. I wasn't sure if it was going to stay fair. I don't think Cronenworth did either. Uh, and on this YouTube channel, on the socials, I have, uh, the video of his celebration and how loud it was in Petco and the Jumbotron. Uh, so you can go look at that if you want to, but just a tremendous, tremendous night, kind of like Tuesday night's game. Not a whole lot to say because of how great pretty much everyone was. I mean, Manaya seven innings, one earned run, Crony driving in a bunch of runs, Profar, Manny. Everyone pretty much coming through. Mazzara, I mean, top down, everyone coming through. And I looked at this stat, mind-boggling to me, when I was looking up the box score. By the way, Bassett, three and a third inning, six earned runs, seven hits, two walks, six strikeouts. He sucked tonight. Uh, but Profar, Crony, and Manny, they're one, two, three hitters tonight. The Padres, one, two, three hitters, combined to go seven for 12 tonight. Six runs scored, and get this. They combined to drive in 10 runs. 10. They combined, the top three hitters in the Padres lineup, combined to drive in five times the amount of runs the Mets scored by themselves. Or, yeah, in total, their lineup in total tonight. And I was saying this to uh, Peter, who has season tickets by me in 309, row one. Um... Can we save some of these runs for Colorado? I mean, that's what it feels like. Whenever they, I mean, this was this was rare, right? You had back-to-back blowouts, but usually when they blow out someone, it's like it feels like it's going to be a two-one game the next day, and they lose the game or two-nothing, right? And there's been obviously games like that this season for the Padres, where it's like, dang, can we scratch up? Can we get another run across, right? Uh, so it feels like, well. Can we save some of these runs? We don't need 13 runs here. The Mets suck today. I don't think we need 13 runs. They're without Alonzo. They're without Marte. 
Can we uh, save some of these? Let's score like five. Okay, it's a comfortable lead here. Or seven. Save those other six runs for Colorado. Maybe that doubleheader on Saturday. Because it is a four-game series coming up, not a three-game series. But obviously you can't bank runs. So score as many as you can, right? Score as many as you can. And can't be mad about this game. There's literally nothing I don't think that you can be mad about. Oh, they gave up two runs. Big deal. Padres win 35, or excuse me, they're 35 and 22 now. They won 13 to 2. They won five of their last seven games. And those seven games were against the National League Central leader, the Milwaukee Brewers, and the National League East leader, the uh, New York Mets. And they went five and two against them. Well, they went five and three if you count the Thursday night Taylor Rodgers. Oh, wait, no, no, no. You're talking, no, that counts the Rodgers blowout. Uh, blow up. Yeah, so seven and, uh, excuse me, five and two in the last seven. Yeah, my bad. So amazing. Amazing that the Padres are doing well against postseason contenders, right? You go back to the Brave series where they play, they played pretty well. You sweep the Giants in San Francisco, right? You win the Brewers series. You win this Mets series. And now you play some teams that aren't as great. You play the Rockies coming up this weekend. And to preview that, I mean, the Rockies are 24 and 32 right now. Four game series. Padres have an off day today. Or today. I say today because probably most people are listening or watching this on Thursday, June 9th. But it's 1120 on June 8th. So tomorrow, the Padres have an off day, um, which is needed, right? Manny DH tonight. So they kind of tried to have two off days for him there, which is smart. Obviously, he's their most, most, Morse. What's Morse? He's their most important player right now. Um, so Friday, 640, Colorado has not named a starter. They have not named a starter uh, for Friday, Saturday's doubleheader, and then Sunday either. So no starters at all named for them yet. Musgrove's going to go Friday at 640. Uh, Clev is going to go in game one at 110. I gave away those tickets on Twitter. So thank you, everyone, for participating in that and subscribing to the YouTube channel and following the Twitter account, all that. I appreciate it. Daily Padres content. If you have not subscribed to this YouTube channel already, I hope you do. For the podcast listeners, I really appreciate you. And for the breakdowns, and if you want to watch me on video, uh, the video version, feel free to subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're over, I believe, or we might be just around 800 subscribers trying to get up to 1,000 because some fans, some uh, listeners, some viewers want to implement some of those super chats. Um, but I don't do it for the money. I do pregame shows before every game. Today was inside Petco Park. Whenever I'm at a game, I'm inside Petco Park doing it. I do it for free. I don't get paid for it. So uh, I'm not doing it for the, for the money, by the way. Uh, so I hope you appreciate that. And I'm just a diehard Padres fan doing Padres content pretty much on a daily basis throughout the season. All right, so getting back to this Colorado preview, um, Clev's going to go game one of that doubleheader, game two of that doubleheader on Saturday. That's at 7-10, by the way. Mackenzie Gore is going to pitch. And both of those games, by the way, nine innings. It's not seven innings. It's nine innings. And then on Sunday at 110. Nick Martinez on the mound for the Padres, and Colorado still hasn't named a starter, obviously. So 
this is definitely a series that they should win. Uh, Musgrove, that's a win on Friday. At least a split on Saturday. And then Nick Martinez, I'm pretty confident with him pitching. He's pitching better than Snell as of late, I think. Um, and obviously you have Chris Mack coming out of the bullpen as well. More home, probably an option. Whether that's on Saturday for the doubleheader. Uh, probably not Friday. Unless they just don't want to use the bullpen at all, and maybe Musgrove goes seven innings, they have a lead, and Morhone pitches the eighth and ninth, kind of like how we saw yesterday, right? I guess that could be a possibility. But I would probably think that Morhone would go the doubleheader day or pitch when Martinez goes Sunday. But that would also be a long um, period of rest for Morhone as well. Because if he pitched Sunday... We had so he pitched yesterday, Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays. So that would be four days rest. So he would be on four days rest. That would be like a starter rest period. Like I don't think he needs that. Uh, I know he's just coming back, but I don't think he needs that as a reliever when he's going two innings, right? So I think you could see him pitch Friday if they just don't want to use the bullpen and and give Rogers an extended time off and. I mean, my still my, my gut reaction still thinks that he pitches the doubleheader because on Friday they can go with Rodgers and then have Rodgers pitch one of the doubleheader days or just save him for Sunday. Um, and more home, they could have him pitch multiple innings if they want to save a bullpen, save their bullpen in one of those two doubleheader days, you know, or games, excuse me. So that's kind of the preview in terms of the pitching matchups and the bullpen a little bit there. Jose Iglesias of the Rockies, he leads their team in average. C.J. Crone is their best offensive player, at least from what I've seen. He has 14 home runs on the year so far. He's driven in 41 runs. Um, but that's pretty much it in their lineup. Charlie Blackman, I think he just reached 1,500 hits. Ryan McMahon, is he hurt? I have no idea. I'll dive into their team more for the pregame show before Friday's game, which will probably be inside Petco as well. Um, I think I'm going to that game. But yeah, Colorado, they stink. This is, uh, this is definitely a series. Padres should win and have to win. And they don't have to win it, but it would be pretty embarrassing if they didn't win it. Right now, the Rockies are in last place in the division. They are 11 and a half games back of the Padres. The Padres are a game and a half back of the Dodgers, so that makes the Rockies 12 games back of the Dodgers. Last place, 24 and 32. They're 8 and 16 on the road. They've won eight games all season long on the road. And they're going to be on the road this weekend, obviously against us at Petco Park. Not a good road team. Padres, maybe they can continue. These, this really good home stretch, at least from this past series, the last two games. And, I mean, sweeping would ask a lot because there's a doubleheader on Saturday, but taking three out of four is the expectation. So that's a little bit of a preview for Padres Rockies. Seas B says Angels may break their losing streak versus the Mets. Maybe. I mean, they're, they are struggling. I mean, we thought, didn't they lose an extra innings the other night? We thought that that would have been the day that the losing streak would have been broken, right? 
Um, Mike Trout had a home run that day. Then they end up losing. I think they won tonight, but they suck right now. They, they got off to a good start. And then the pitching, I don't think, has been the same. There's been some injuries. Joe Madden, obviously, has been fired. He got in a little bit of a dust-up with the reporter the other day before he got fired, the night before he got fired, uh, kind of not wanting to answer one of the reporter's questions. Just uh, he, he was a weird guy there at the end of that angel tenure. W177 says, did you predict Mackenzie Gore's rise in Major League Baseball? Uh, you said the MLB. You said, did you predict his rise in the MLB? Well, I would block you, but I appreciate your support, so I won't. Because it's not the MLB. That's one of my pet peeves for anyone that knows me. It's not the MLB. It's, it's just MLB, Major League Baseball. So did I predict his rise in MLB, in Major League Baseball? Uh, kind of, I, I was more of the optimistic guy in saying, Hey, Ruben Niebla is the new pitching coach. We've heard a lot of good things about him. Maybe this will be a good change of scenery in terms of the pitching coach, a new pitching coach coming in. Harry Rothschild obviously didn't work with Gore and Gore took a big step back last year. Couldn't find the strike zone. And I think it's more credit to Gore though. I mean, Give a lot of credit to Niebla, don't get me wrong. But I think it, you got to give credit to uh, Mackenzie Gore because he's the one that worked his butt off during the lockout and put in the time and the effort and followed the plan that Ruben Niebla put in place for him when they met, I think, at Peco Park before the lockout. So a lot of credit goes to Gore. Now, if I, like, I'll admit, I think everyone can admit here, we didn't know a ton about Ruben Niebla when he was hired. So it was kind of like blindfully saying, yeah, we're hearing a lot of good things about Cleveland organization and Clev liked the hire. Uh, and he had a history of developing a lot of Cleveland pitchers, Bauer, Bieber, Quantrill, Kluber, all of those guys, right? Um, Carrasco. So you felt kind of confident to answer that question. Um, but you also knew that Gore sucked last year. So it was just a matter of, I guess, him getting the work done. And props to him, he has. And now he's probably going to go win the National League Rookie of the Year if he keeps this work, uh, keeps this pace up. So props to him. All right, should we move into tweeting dummies, huh? Let's move into some tweeting dummies. I do this segment. I did it once before. This is my second time doing it. Um, it's just when I go on Twitter, I see some dumb tweets, and I write them down, and I'll discuss them on uh, the podcast, on this YouTube show, on the next episode that it's appropriate. Obviously, probably not in an interview, but I'm not interviewing anyone, so right now is the time. So let's do it, shall we? Tweeting dummies. It revolves around Pete Alonso's hit by pitch last night. Yes, he exited the game. Yes, I know a lot of Mets have been hit this year. I know that there's been bench clearing incidents, or at least one that I know of, with the Cardinals this year at Bush, at, uh, Bush Stadium when uh, a Mets player was hit. Or, no, no, no. I think 
Arenado was thrown at, he was hit, and then he charged the mound or something. Um, I understand that Mets fans are mad about that, but you're just dummies. You are literally dummies because you're not looking at the situation. In the second inning, you Darvish is on the mound. You think he's going up there trying to beanball someone and beanball Pete Alonzo. No. He threw, was it a two-seam fastball that ran in? It was such a good pitch that Pete Alonzo freaking swung at the ball. And I think they called it a hit-by-pitch. Yeah, they call it a hit-by-pitch, even though he swung. Anyway, now getting to the tweeting dummies part. Keith Olbermann. I was not alive when he was doing SportsCenter, I don't think. But that's what I guess people remember him as. I don't really remember him at all. But he's a verified account on Twitter. And I saw him tweet during the game. I think he's a Mets fan. After Alonzo was hit on Tuesday, he said, quote, when is Machado up next, and which hospital will he be going to, end quote, question, or the question mark, and then the end quote. Which hospital is, go- is he going to be going to? When is he up next? Really? So you're going to, you want your team to intentionally hit Manny Machado because you, Darvish, accidentally hit, Jan, or excuse me, accidentally hit Pete Alonzo on a pitch that, your player, Pete Alonzo, swung at. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Keith Olbermann. What a dumb tweet. Really. You make no sense. It's this stuff where it's like, you're, you're just tone deaf. You're not a real Mets fan. You don't, because you don't know the situation. You're obviously not watching the game close enough. Because if you did, you'd realize that it wasn't intentional. You know? And then Don LaGreca, he uh, is on ESPN, 98.7 ESPN New York, the Michael K Show. He's a co-host. And I like Don. I was in New York, listened to their talk show all the time. I like Don. But he took it over the line here, and he was really, really stupid on air. This one wasn't a tweet, but I did tweet about it. It was him on air today before the Met Series finale against the Padres today. Um reacting to yesterday's game and he literally said on the show today that if a Mets batter was hit today they should charge the mound at a Padre really and he said and then he said do I am I condoning violence in this situation yes are you spin what kind of comment is that Let's charge the mound because the other team accidentally hits us. Let's charge the mound because I'm pissed off that Pete Alonzo got hit at a pitch that he swung at, and he wouldn't have gotten hit with this pitch last night if he hadn't have swung. So stupid, really. So freaking stupid. Just sometimes... It's better to keep your mouth shut. Sometimes it's just better to say, oh, it's an unfortunate injury. It sucks. And you move on. Kind of felt good to blow them out 13-2 to and send them Mets fans home mad. Jeez Louise, bye-bye. Seriously, some, some fans, I, I get it's easy to tweet 
right? And give your opinion on Twitter with some profile where, you know, your profile picture doesn't even have your face on it and no one knows who you are or you have one follower and you can tweet whatever you want because there isn't going to be a, a consequence, right? But in this case, these are two big people, right? Don LaGreca's big in New York. Keith Olbermann was big with ESPN and SportsCenter, as Anthony says there in the comments. He was there with Dan Patrick. Um, these are big personalities saying this. And that's what makes me mad even more. It's like, really? If you're a big personality, you should know what you're doing, and you should know not to make an idiotic comment where you're totally wrong about it. I mean, there were some people on Twitter when I tweeted out the video last night of Alonzo being hit where they were like, well, why are you inserting your opinion into this tweet? Like, they think like I'm the Padres account saying Pete Alonzo exiting the game because he was hit by a pitch. Sometimes I just say what happened. But I'm a fan. Talking Friars, at Talking Friars, which now has over 1,000, 1,300 followers on Twitter now. I appreciate everyone's support for everyone that does support me. And on this YouTube channel and on the podcast platforms and all that, all the social channels. That account is me tweeting out videos, clipping the videos, tweeting them out. And if I feel like giving out my opinion about it, I'm going to give my opinion about it. I'm not the Padres official Twitter account where I can't be really biased, right? Well, you can be biased, but like can't be biased on stuff like that. Or I'm not the 97.3 The Fan Twitter account where I just tweet out the score and then post the link to listen to it, you know? I'm a fan. My family has season tickets. I can insert my opinion whenever I want. And it's not like my opinion was wrong in this case. My opinion was dead right. Pete Alonso swung at the pitch. If he did not start swinging at that pitch, he would not have been hit by that U Darvish pitch last night. And Keith Olerman wouldn't have said, where's the nearest hospital? And Don LeGrecker wouldn't have said, they better charge the mound if they get hit tonight. I condone violence in this situation. That wouldn't have even happened if Pete Alonso didn't swing at the pitch. Oh, wait. Because the pitch was so good that he was swinging at it. You know? It's just, my goodness. Some fans are dummies. Maybe not fans like them as fans, but their opinions are dumb. I'll put it that way. That's better. OceansideBoy760 says, I would trade Blake Snell to the Phillies. Okay, for what? I know I totally just jumped right back to the Blake Snell conversation that I was doing uh, at the beginning. What would you trade him to the Phillies for? Schwarber? No. He has a big contract. Castellanos? No, has a big contract. Uh, Harper? I mean, I'd love to have Bryce Harper. He's one of my favorite players. But no, he is like the Manny Machado of Philly. He's going to be there for the rest of his career. So what would you get back in that deal? Lalo3435 says trade Snell for prospects. I, I would not do that right now. I would at least wait to build up his value and, until he you know, proves that he can be consistent. But then when he's consistent, wouldn't you want him to help your team? So 
Right now, I would hold off on that. I think the outfield situation is getting better. I like Mazzara playing every day. I think he should play every day. And trading Snell for prospects, I guess I'd be more open to that if Musgrove gets locked down to an extension. Because now you know that you'll have at least three starters in the rotation going into next year, Morahone, Musgrove, and Darvish. And then you, then you can figure it out, right? I'm sure there's a pitcher out there that Preller can trade for with a small salary, right? Um, or they'll bring back Kleb or Manaya, one of them, right? And now you have four guys, and you can maybe your Niebla works with Weathers full time in the off season, and they can fix him. I forgot about Gore. Didn't even mention Gore. Sorry. Uh, you'd have Gore, right? Um, so that would be four starters that you'd have uh, next year if you locked up Musgrove. So I'd be more comfortable dealing Snell if Musgrove had an extension, but that isn't the case right now. Um, and right now, I don't feel like there's a huge need to trade for the outfield help right now. Again, I'm going to say right now, that could change in a few weeks because I like what I'm seeing out of Omar Mazzara. Profar is playing really, really well. And Grisham and Azokar, you just got to kind of deal with that. They're going to hit the bottom of the order, and that's what they're going to be. So those are my thoughts on the Blake Snell stuff. Previewed the Rocky series. I'm supposed to interview Darnay Tripp of NBC tomorrow. That'll be out tomorrow. That'll be episode 180. Uh, I'll have a video coming out tomorrow as well on Thursday, June 9th. Talking with fans at Petco Park. I talked to some fans today at Petco Park before the game about if they would trade Blake Snell right now. Had some interesting thoughts. Varying ages that I talked to as well. So I hope you'll enjoy that. And I hope you'll tune in to that video on the Talking For Hours YouTube channel on Thursday. All right. I think that'll do it. We're at about the hour mark. Padres, an amazing series. Love where they're at right now. Game and at back of the Dodgers. 13 games over 500. Crony's back. Manaya and Darvish pitching great. Snell. Can't get worse than, I guess, Monday, right? I guess that's the positive news. All right, that'll be it. Rockies come to town Friday. I'll talk to you then for the pregame show. Well, I'll talk to you on episode 180. But this has been episode 179, Talking for Hours podcast and YouTube show. I'm Ben Fadden, your host. Thank you so much for the support. Everyone, I truly, truly thank you for the support. Enjoy your night for anyone that's still up. Enjoy your Thursday if this is when you're listening or tuning into it. And go Padres. See you, everybody.